weird and pissed off, whatever it is. She just goes a little mad sometimes. We all go a little mad sometimes. Game over, man. Game over. What an excellent day for an exorcism. You are invited to an open house where horror will be your host. Don't fall asleep. We're talking bunyips today. Woo! I think probably the scarier thing that would have been seen getting around Australia yeah. in the last couple of days would have been me. Oh. Because I had to I was gonna get paid to impersonate a farmer for a <laughs> for a public event. Because I need work. Okay, yeah. So well, I'm taking, pandemic, we're all doing we're all things doing, for cash, yeah. yeah. And you know, the old grey mare, she ain't what she used to be. <laughs> so I can't sell my body, I may as well sell my soul. <laughs> so you were being paid to dress up like a farmer? Yeah. And um I I had to go shopping at the thrift store to find farmer clothes. Okay. So I've now got a nice collection of caps. Okay. Baseball caps. Okay. But you'd be surprised how many farmers mm. have given away their caps. Oh, well, you know, not off my cold, dead head, <laughs> but I'm surprised by that. Yeah. yeah. So I got one from Waratah Fencing. Uh huh. Which is good. It's a really nice cap. Okay. Yeah. Pretty, Shout the, out to Waratah. But the other one, um, yeah, sponsor this podcast, you fencing bastard. <laughs> don't see, don't get on the fence. <laughs> you know what we can't contain? The hilarity of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but the one that I really like, I got one from the 2018 Australian International Pork Conference. Oh, <laughs> oh how could someone throw that away? The <laughs> memories. The conversations you could have started at a bar. Oh, I've just well, come from the port conference. Would you like to start another one? The ham-fisted conversations <laughs> you could have started. So that's the one thing scarier getting around Australia is outback. <laughs> it would have been me pretending to be someone from the bush. Why? Okay, but why were you being paid to pretend to be a farmer? Because they couldn't find a real one. <laughs> they couldn't find a real one. in the inner city? Yeah, surprise, surprise. I know, who would have thought? <laughs> so what were you supposed to be doing while stressed as – is this like a like – a, a paid like commercial yeah. for like because I know we're having we're coming up to we're having our elections this year yeah. so it was going to be a picture of you like picking up like a dead bush or a lamb and like crying in a field or something no it was for um, Australia's National Day Australia Day which yes. is very controversial yes because it falls so we celebrate Australia as a country on the day that it was invaded by the British yeah so bit of a touchy subject you know the uh, the erasure of an entire. Mm-hmm. What four hundred nations of Aboriginal people? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of look, and it's, so there's you know obviously there are people who are like, well, you know what, we really need to not have this as like a day of celebration because yeah. we get it as a public holiday. We all get drunk, yay! There's fireworks, and <laughs> but the campaign is just move it one day. Yeah. So make it January twenty eighth instead of January twenty seventh. Yeah. And yeah. January twenty sixth. Yeah. But people are like, oh my god, it's a tradition. Didn't it start in nineteen ninety four? Yeah. So like yeah, twenty. It's not a tradition, mate. Yeah, I think people are worried because they think they're going to lose out on a paid public holiday. Exactly. Just assure people we still get a day off. We get paid to go to the beach in yeah. January. And there are bad whiskies older than Australia Day. Yeah. 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 So you know, on that note, and I think I speak for like the two of us, and when we would like to reach out to all the um, indigenous members of Australia. And say, you know what? I'm sorry that when, you know, Europeans showed up, they were comp- 
complete shit cunts. They were complete shit cunts. Okay, this complete dicks. There's no other way to describe it. There was killing. There was rape. There was enslavement. Sorry, I'm sorry. They were dicks. Considering most of our listeners are in the United States, it still hits home. Yeah, just dicks. I'm yeah. Sorry, they were. Dicks. Yeah. And I think that says that for pretty much everyone around the world. Somebody showed up at some stage and was a complete dick to you and your people. So to everyone who's ever, you know, had someone show up and be a dick to your people, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry that happened to you. Yeah. Kevin Rudd's apology would have been very different. Yeah. Just just sorry. Look, we are the Australian government. We'd like to say, sorry we were shit guns. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. But yeah. basically, the event was I had to I had to turn up and mm. read a read a speech about how hard it is to live on the land. Oh my! <laughs> oh my god! You're such a hipster, though. I know. You're such a hipster. I know. I'm a sh- hobby farmer at best. Yeah. Did you show up with your kombucha? <laughs> <laughs> Throw an ice bucket over. It's like this. This is not 27 degrees minus for my kombucha. My active cultures will die. <laughs> Hand out black garlic. <laughs> Three hundred dollars a kilo. You got you so you got paid to dress up like a farmer no, and read go- a poem. I was going to get paid. Yeah, but I just couldn't do it. It was a very difficult acting job, and I'm not an actor. So I passed it on to my friend, who's an actor. He got COVID. He couldn't do it. <gasps> so I think now they're having an Australia Day without a farmer. Oh my god! Will we cope? Oh my god, that's why the, the the skies are thundering with all this calamity of weather. <laughs> Australia Day without a farmer. Oh no. Oh my lord. Wow, you live a strange and interesting life. I do. And I yeah. don't even drink anymore and I still get into mischief. Yeah, I know. Wow. I know, it's very weird. Um, I've literally just hid at home, afraid of the COVID. Yeah. Um, see my day job. They've been letting us like work from home, um, and I had to give a, a, a big shout out to you and your lovely girlfriend Lou because this is the only time that I leave my house is to come to your house to record this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and as I realised, if it wasn't if it wasn't for coming over to your place, I don't think I would be like changing clothes or showering at this stage. I would just becoming a blob. Like in the basement of Blade. You just <laughs> ooze under the door. Yeah. Like the Terminator made of slime. Yeah. Oh, my God. I swear to God, like my hair has just been up in a bun for a week. <laughs> I, I like I shampooed and conditioned it. There you go. Gave it a run through with my coconut scented comb. You're like Jordan Peterson putting on a tux to go on Joe Rogan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so fancy. <laughs> Oh, my God. Seriously, I feel like a pig with lipstick right now. Well, that lipstick's going to get smeared. You've got a lot of booze with you right now. I don't have that much. I just, I've just, i just got a bottle of wine. And a which, bottle of whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> and you were paying me out because I was like, oh, hang on. I've just got to, like, neck my wine so I can, like, pour my bourbon. <laughs> don't judge me. Dinner and a show. Hey, we all get through pandemics in our own Beautiful ways. Yeah. Well, I try and take contracts from active working actors to be a farmer in a fucking major, major fucking display. Oh, Jesus. Wow. You couldn't even fake being a farmer. Well, no, I couldn't. I know too many farmers. It's, it's dirt face. <laughs> if I went and did it, it was dirt face. 
What was the poem? What was the poem you had oh, to read? It wasn't out? a poem. It was a script. It was like, "How good's the rain?" This is my favorite part. It was like, "How good's the rain been?" We're in the middle of a one in one hundred year flood. It's yeah. not fucking great. <laughs> yes. This whole community's cut off from the world. Oh my god! Yeah, every farmer that like you know I've seen has been cussing the fact because basically all their crops, which they planted a few weeks ago, have just been washed away in the deluge. Yeah, you know, just leaving them, you know, tens of thousands of pockets. Your dollars out of pocket. Yeah. Like, yeah, how good's the rain been? Yeah. And the road up near um, Pimba, which is near Woomera, the old yeah. American um, space research area, that entire road's been washed out. Yeah. No one from the mining town of Roxby Downs can get out. Yeah. And I have to get up there and go, how good's the rain been? <laughs> You know what? The only one who is championing like these like hundred year freak storms yeah. is like, what's his name? Good old Mick from the, you know, the Wolf Creek movies oh. because it is literally just trapping and stranding lone backpackers all throughout the countryside who decided to like, oh, what's the worst thing that could happen yeah. as the road completely like washed away? Makes a shallow bush grave easier to dig when the soil's a bit soft. Too. It really is. They just sort of, you know, just go in. It's like quicksand. Sucks them in. He is the only one who's getting up there. Maybe you should have channeled your inner Mick. Did I ever tell you my story about the real um, Wolf Creek guy? <gasps> oh, my God. Is this about you backpacking again? No, no. So Bradley John Murdoch, the man who Wolf Creek is roughly based on. Mm. Um, so he, he was the guy who was convicted and sentenced for the murder mm. of uh, Peter Falconio mm-hmm. uh, and uh, famously chased Joanne Lees through the bush. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All that stuff. We we probably he just want, he just wanted to read her his poetry. <laughs> so we probably we probably should do an episode on that. Okay. But I was just out of university, mm. going to Port Augusta to mm-hmm. start my oh. journalism career. <laughs> yeah, and I basically walked out of the shops, and there was a whole bunch of cop cars everywhere, and I'm yeah. like. Oh, something's happened here. <laughs> your, your journalistic sense has kicked in. <laughs> spidey sense. Something's <laughs> happened here. <laughs> oh. uh, you know, basically get back in because I was going up north to do some stuff and then ask some people out of there like, yeah, they arrested the fucking Peter Falconio guy in the car park and he had like a fucking ute full of guns and shit. So, oh, really? Well, I'm off to go do a story about flowers. Oh my god, I love it. It's like if we go back and look at like the moments of the dramatic arrest, there's just a young John just just totally just eating a sausage roll in the background. Pretty completely. Much. Not a care, not a shit. Pretty much. How were the flowers? Pretty good. Yeah. Desert peas, they only come out after serious rain. Oh, have you written a poem about it? <laughs> How good's the rain? Life on the land can be tough, I'll tell you. <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna call it now. People in the city are not allowed to make any sort of reference to farmers. They can't hire people who they think are farmers or do what they think farmers would do. It's dirt face. Yeah. You can't pretend to be a farmer. Yeah. yeah. Did you did you grow wheat in a fucking flower box outside your inner city apartment? No. <laughs> You're not a farmer. <laughs> How good's the rain? If only it hadn't been sold to the Chinese in a backroom deal. <laughs> don't even own the water on my own land, can't access it. Oh, oh God, don't get me going about oh. water rights. Good God, don't get me going about water rights. We're ostensibly a horror podcast yeah. and we've gotten into Australian fucking resource politics. <laughs> I'm They're- vicariously drunk on your Jim Beam, which has a ribbon around it. Hey! Talk about lipstick on a it's pig. It's my Christmas bourbon. Fucking. It's my Christmas bourbon. Yeah. If oh, you don't have a Christmas, if bird? a Christmas Carol was based in Australia and you were fucking Ebenezer oh, Scrooge, Jimmy Beam, old Jimmy Beam, 
Blah, 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 blah. How good's the rain? <laughs> Jimmy Beam. Oh, Jimmy Beam. Still haven't got that sponsorship deal. This is what happens when my girlfriend's not drinking and can't take half the bullets that you <sighs> bring around. Someone had to do it. <laughs> Should we? Speaking of bullets. Yeah, let's fucking heave this fucking train wreck into the dirt. <laughs> Put some dirt on our faces. Pretend to be farmers. <laughs> I grew up around mining folk. You know, I, I think we're, come on, we're as close as city people are going to get to farmers. Pretty much. Yeah. I went to school with farmers. Mm. A couple of, some of my best friends are farmers. <laughs> I told my friend who owned. Oh, uh, we do have to get into the story quickly, but I tell you, I'm vicariously drunk on my non-alcoholic <laughs> beers. But I was having a, my yeah. my really good friend. Yeah, has a farm, and she yeah. she runs it on her own, and she's done, you know, a huge fucking farm. Yeah. Anyway, I was having a whinge to her one night after an Adelaide Fringe Festival. I was like, oh, I put all this work into my show, and no one's coming, and. Oh, it's yeah. so hard. I don't know why I do this business. And like, you know, I only had 30 tickets sold tonight. It was shit. Yeah. And she's on the other end of the phone. It's just silent for a while. And she goes, do you want to hear about my day? <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> First of all, I've just spent two weeks away working in a mine. I've come back and I've found that my shed's been broken into and oh. half of my equipment's been stolen. Fuck. It's like, okay, so already. And she's like, shh, you need to listen. <laughs> it's raining. The lambs have started being born and there's no one here to help. And I've found a stranded lamb in the back of its mother in the middle of the night and I've got no equipment to save it. And the only thing I could do to get this lamb out of its mother was to take off my socks and pull the lamb out with my fucking socks in the middle of the rain after being on shift for two weeks. And you're complaining because no one's coming to see your fucking jokes. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Yep, uh, nothing like nothing, uh, nothing like a farmer to yeah. make you go. You know what? My job's just pretend. It's pretty much pretend. Yeah, I'm as soft as fucking noodles. Yeah, my lower back pain from sitting on this office chair officially makes me a weak gun. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, but you know. Yeah, it's it's that whole thing of like when they try to put this bullshit about like you know, you you know you get the money that you put into your work. It's bullshit. Like they've said it before. Those fucking women in Africa who who walk like eighty kilometers a day to get fucking dirty water for their kids, they'd be fucking they'd be blasting into space in their dick rockets, not Jeff Bezos. Speaking of dick rockets, yeah. Have you? This is all unscripted. Yeah. Speaking of dick rockets. <laughs> Did you know that fucking Elon Musk, one yeah. of his Falcon 9 rockets, yeah. is now on a collision course with the moon? What? So they launched one of these. It's one of the Falcon 9 booster rockets. So basically yeah. they go up into the – and they, they're supposed to come back down. Yeah. This one stayed in a weird orbit <gasps> and it doesn't have the, the juice to get out of the orbit. And it doesn't no. have, so it, it's just like, oh, where's it going to go? It's going to hit the fucking dark side of the moon on March 4. So it's like – I think it's like four tonnes. Okay, are we expecting it to push like the moon out of its orbit? Apparently, in terms of celestial events, this is a nothing. It's just going to... But it's four tons moving at 2.8 kilometres a can, second. Can I say this? Just at home, Grimes is sitting at home like in her car going, oh, it reminds me of someone else's performance in the bedroom. <laughs> non- non-existent matter. But anyway. Hit the dark side. Yeah. Buy me a drink first. <laughs> So there you go. Elon Musk is going to prank a fucking rocket into the moon. Oh, fucking hell. Thanks, dickhead. Him 
And like Bezos are really on a quest to see who can be the bigger dick. Yeah. Oh no. It's, it's Bezos. It is Bezos. We all know it's Bezos. Oh my god, have you seen that movie? I just on a note, okay, for anyone who likes horror, have you seen the movie Iron Sky that has yes. Nazis living on the dark yes. side of the moon? Yeah. It's the only good the only good that could come out. Then he'd be like, Yes, I totally knew there were Nazis <laughs> up there for America. <laughs> oh my god. But seriously, because if anyone was gonna hide like fucking stormtroopers on the dark side of the moon, it would have been the fucking Nazis. Yeah. Fucking t- Nazis. Seriously. Fuck, Dickheads. Fucking moon Nazis. Oh, you know what? That's the only thing I think that Star Trek the Next Generation didn't get right. Because at one stage, no fucking incel fucking Nazi didn't show up. And everyone just be like, oh, fucking Nazis. Fuck off. Just some sad Wesley Crusher is going through a difficult phase no one wants to talk about. He's locking himself in the room. Hey, I've just been reading this policy. (laughs) Shut up, Wesley. Anyway. Yeah. Where were we? I don't know. Uh, Bunyips? Bunyips! Jesus. This is messy. Oh, you know what else is messy? Bunyip shit. Bunyips. Which, what do you know we're talking about tonight? What are bunyips, Liz? Oh, look, like so many creatures and tales of caution from our past. You're a good reader when you're drunk. They happened so long ago, and with no constant reminder of their power or terror, we forget to respect them and honour their lands. But most of all, we forget to fear them. And like slippery tiles in a bathroom, what we don't fear usually kills us. <laughs> it's true. Most deaths happen in the bathroom. Do they? Yes. There you go. This look, this week we look at a creature that calls Australia its home and a creature that Australia calls the bunyip. Now, not to be confused with Yowies, that was a cryptoid we covered last year, also indigenous to Australia. But the Bunyip is certainly a creature all of its own. In this week's episode of Who Let the Bunyip Yip Yip Yip? Oh, Who Let the Bunyip Yip 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 Yip? You're worse than Crazy Frog. Or, look, he's got a Bunyip in the oven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The bunyip, a creature that lurks in billabongs, swamps, waterholes, riverbeds, your grandma, anywhere wet. (laughs) At least nine different indigenous tribes from nine different areas all have documented myths relating to the bunyip. The word usually translates as devil, evil spirit or water sprite. Some stories paint bunyip as a fearsome predator with no qualms in attacking humans. The others paint the bunyip as a shy, gentle creature who looks to defend animals in the wilderness. Stories of the bunyip were reported as early as 1812 by settlers in the Sydney Gazette as... Okay, now I I kind of feel it's appropriate that we're recording this on Australia Day and the discussions that we had earlier. Now, in these articles in 1800s, They use some terms and descriptions that you couldn't print today. Okay. Okay. Um, And (laughs) 
I, I was I was looking at it and I was like, oh, that that's like terrible. Like we sh- we should maybe cut that bit out of the article. But then I was like, in a way, I kind of feel like, you know what? We can't wh- whitewash history, you know. Ironically, but do you know what I mean? This stuff is this stuff is in print like a hundred years ago, which is really not that long ago. Like there are people who are alive today who were alive when this stuff was printed, okay? This is 1812. Uh, yeah. There's no one alive today who was yeah, alive Yeah, you could be like 100, then make you 110. 1812. Fuck. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, there's no one alive today, but <laughs> their grandparents' grandparents. Jim Beam sponsorship coming our way. <laughs> no, but do you know what I mean? I'm kind of like, oh, uh, look, I, this, this was the fact of like how – people were referring to other people in the time. Yeah, okay. Okay. So, for context, Australia colonised in 1788. Yeah. So, this is 20 years. Yeah. Frontier wars are still alive and well. Yes. Uh, Massacres are still happening on a regular basis Mm -hmm. because essentially Aboriginal people were treated as stock thieves. Yes, that you weren't allowed to vote, you weren't allowed to own land, you weren't allowed to do... They had bounties on them. Yeah, exactly. Um so, yes, there, there are some very incorrect terms. Well, they weren't even considered human Humans. beings until 1968. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Hip, I've, I've got fucking, um, what's his name, the American pianist <laughs> on the side. Oh, what's it? What? Oh, fuck, I've forgotten his name now. I told you my memory was going. Yeah, you've got the... <coughs> You, you got the, you get too much of that farmer dust on the brain. I do. I'm too much dirt face. Oh lord. But anyway, so in 1812, in the Sydney Gazette, it was described as quote a large black animal like a seal with a terrible voice, which creates terror among the blacks. <laughs> okay. Mm. In 1851. Things still not getting better. The Australasian newspaper reported that the local indigenous people had in fact speared the local bunyip after it killed a local indigenous man. The local tribe up until the mid-1850s would make an annual visit to the same spot on the bank of Fiery Creek near Ararat in Victoria. There were there they would retrace the outlines of a figure approximately 11 feet long and 4 feet wide. We can no longer be sure if this was to honour the creature or to serve as a warning, but in the mid-50s, the retracing of this design stopped and the image has now been lost. Stories still exist of the bunyip who would seek out and take those who took too many fish from its rivers – and serve as a warning to children. If they ventured too far near the water's edge, the bunyip would grab them and pull them into the waters below. Aboriginal mythology tells that the bunyip is a swift swimmer. They have a loud, roaring call. One story says that the bunyip's bellowing call is so loud it could cripple you. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's pretty impressive. Um, another... <laughs> Shit, DJ. <laughs> Let me give a call out. Hello. <laughs> Everyone's legs break. God damn it. I reckon I've met the bunyip in a cafe Bravo before <laughs> when she didn't get a fucking enough uh, hollandaise sauce with her schnitzel. <laughs> I want to see the manager. <laughs> Another sensational tale tells of a bunyip using its supernatural powers to hypnotize a woman. Hello. 
the Bunyip keeping the woman as its enslaved person for several weeks until finally a large thunderstorm broke the woman free from her trance. Wow. How good's the rain? <laughs> you uh, got any Bunyip in you? <laughs> yeah, once. That's <laughs> <laughs> what charming motherfucking Bunyip. <laughs> Oh, now, some have tried to suggest that bunyips are nothing more than seals that have ventured unusually far up along the Murray and Darling rivers. They've been known to do it and still do. But it's unlikely as it wasn't, wouldn't explain your bunyips being found in areas that were not connected to um, these rivers. Others have also suggested that the bunyip could be crocodiles. Um, indigenous to Australia, large salties, large powerful creatures yep. move swift in the water, um, who might have again wandered upstream. They move fast, but they don't make large booming sounds that can cripple you. No. Um, also, many of the bunyip sightings occur in at the times freezing state of Tasmania. And there is no way that a crocodile could last in these cold waters for a a long period of time. On Wednesday, the 2nd of July, 1845, the Geelong Advertiser excitedly announced, (laughs) (coughs) Wonderful discovery of a new animal. Hello. Hello. In our last number... We gave an account of the finding of a fragment of the knee joint of some gigantic animal. Just imagine everyone standing around going, cool, look at the size of the knee on this one. But Geelong is fucking boring yeah. if you've ever been there. Well, it was the 1800s as well. You, you couldn't even like, if you saw a lady's like ankle, you'd be like, you slut. Slut. Again, it's Geelong. You've seen much more than an ankle in that town. <laughs> oh, they found the knee joint. Um, from which there being no such animal hitherto known to exist in Australia, we suppose to be the fossil remains of some early period. Subsequent information, however, coupled with the fact that the bone was in good preparation and had altogether a, quote, recent appearance, has induced us to alter our opinion. On the bone being shown... To an intelligent black. Oh, Jesus Christ. (sighs) Main newspaper of the day. I know, it hurts. I'm so embarrassed. (sighs) He at once recognised it as belonging to the bunyip, which he declared he had seen. On being requested to make a drawing of it, he did so without hesitation. The bone and the picture were then shown separately to different blacks who had no opportunity of communicating with each other and they one and all recognised the bone and picture as belonging to the bunyip, repeating the name without variation. One declared he knew where the whole of the bones of one animal were to be found. Another stated his mother was killed by one of them. Fucking hell. At the Barwon Lakes within a few miles of Geelong. And that another woman was killed on the very spot where the punt crosses the Barwon at South Geelong. The most direct evidence of all was that of Mumbaron who showed several deep wounds on his breast made by the claws of the animal. 
Fair enough. Another statement was made that a mayor, the property of Mr. Furlong, (laughs) (laughs) was about six years ago seized by one of these animals on the bank of the Little River and only escaped with a broken leg. Escaped to be shot. (laughs) (laughs) And in my mind, when I originally, the way that I originally read this, like in my head, was that he was was on his horse. A guy was on his horse when he got attacked by one of these things. And the next thing you cut to him, just running through the wilderness, just carrying a horse leg. (laughs) I managed to say, part of her. Can we grow a new one? <laughs> yeah, it's going to attach it. <laughs> oh, my God, where's that three-legged cow we have? Just stitch it on. Oh, Lord. <laughs> they say that the reason why no white man has ever seen it, it is because it is amphibious and does not come on land except on extremely hot days when it basks on the bank. But on the slightest noise or whisper, they roll gently over into the water, scarcely creating a ripple. So, in other words, white dudes did none of the work. No, never near the river. No. We have adduced these authorities before giving a description of the animal, lest from its strange, grotesque and nondescript character, the reader should have at once set the whole thing down as fiction. The, oh my God, I should have got, do you have a pen? No. Or a pencil? No. I Yeah, there's a pencil over there. Get a pencil and a bit of paper. What do you need this for? I want you, I'm going to read out their description of what they think a bunyip looks like. Right. Okay. And then I want you to draw, <laughs> taking these descriptions, what you think a bunyip looks like. And we can post this up for the readers so they'll know what a bunyip looks like. According to the 1850s Sydney Gazette. All right. So, you ready? I am. You got your artistic side ready to go? Okay. <laughs> so you, your loved one is reading you this from the paper. You're, you're going to draw the bunyip for the children. Okay. <laughs> okay. The bunyip then is represented as uniting the characteristics of a bird and of an alligator. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. It has a head resembling an emu. Okay. With a long bill at the extremity of which is a transverse projection on each side with serrated edges like the bone of the stingray. Right. So with that half half bird, half alligator, okay. emu head, pelican bill, flappy bits out the side that'll stab you. All right. Its body and legs partake of the nature of the alligator. The hind legs are remarkably thick and strong, good country stock, (laughs) and the forelegs are much longer. What? (laughs) I I cannot draw this. (laughs) Come on, keep up. The forelegs are much longer, but still of great strength. The extremities are furnished with long claws, but the blacks say its usual method of killing its prey is by hugging it to death. Um, yes. 
Fuck me dead. I think you might have been too focused on the drawing. Hugging um, it to death. It hugs it to death. Yeah. Well, it's got <laughs> emotional issues. <laughs> I can't deal with my emotions. Crush. <laughs> oh, my God. It literally sounds like, are you sure it's just not a farmer? <laughs> with some bad skin. James Hetfield. Oh, Lord. So, it hugs everything to death. Um, when in the water... It swims like a frog. What the fuck? And when on shore, it walks on its hind legs with its head erect, in which position it measures 12 or 13 feet in height. Still going with the description. Its breast is said to be covered with different coloured feathers. But the probability is that the blacks have not had a sufficiently near view to ascertain whether its appearance might notarise from hair or scales. Oh, well, if they're not naturalists like us, they yeah, well, exactly. proper How would they No! <laughs> Did they even try throwing a stone at it? <laughs> They've only been here 80,000 years. <laughs> they describe it as laying eggs of double the size of an emu's eggs of a pale blue colour. These eggs they frequently meet with, but as they are, quote, no good for eating. Oh, but the Vietnamese had ate them. <laughs> They've never met an egg they can't eat. The, the black boys set them up for Mark and throw stones at them. Wow. So they might be naturalists after all. Wow. We, wait for it. We intend in a few days to give a lithograph facility of the drawing made by the black so that our bush readers may be enabled to question the blacks in their own neighbourhood and should any new facts be illicit, we shall take it as a favour in anyone who may transmit an account of them to us for publication. <laughs> so, with that description, can I have a look at what you are picturing <laughs> What is that? It's a fucking bunyip, apparently. Oh, my God. Okay, I'm going to put that up on uh, on the website. Those are muscles on the on the forelegs. Oh, oh they're rippling the muscles. They're okay, muscles. And they're a little bit bigger. Yeah. I see. And I like you went to the detail to put the egg in. Yeah. That's very good. It's like Mr. Snuffleupagus if he found crack. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, if Snuffy become a, like a crack addict. All right, we'll put that up on the on the socials for people who can't quite. I think that's got my shopping list on the back of it. Picture that in the mind. What have, what have, what have you like? Chips, vegan sour cream, vegan cheese, vegan mints, toilet cleaner. <laughs> the first three are linked. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, dog food, paper towel. Anyway. Oh, no. <laughs> this is the f- this story was the first use of the word bunyip in any written public publication, ah. and it began an explosion of bunyip sightings in the 1840s and 1850s. You're gonna like this one. In 1847, the Australian Museum in Sydney presented to the public what it reported to be a bunyip skull. Really? Wow. For two days. So now this would have to be the first item displayed in a European colony that wasn't looted from the Greeks. Pretty much. Yeah, it remains the only thing thus far not stolen from somebody. Yeah. Oh, 
Oh, it was there for two days. Okay. Um, people travelled from far and wide to catch a glimpse of this freakish wonder. However, several experts, yeah. although experts of what it doesn't say, but several experts made their public their opinions that the settler who had made the discovery had simply found a deformed horse skull. Oh. Regardless of this theory, the skull was stolen from the museum after two days and no one knows where it went. Deformed horse skull. Mm-hmm. The, the elephant horse. The elephant horse. I'm not an animal. Technically, you are. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, like, they're probably like, oh, you know, it was just, you know, someone who was fascinated with, like, uh, you know, the bunyip who stole it. And I'm like, bullshit. It's the farmer who just got two years of wages by pushing off a deformed horse skull was suddenly, like, realised he was about to, like, be found out. It was just like, <laughs> yoink. <laughs> That's who fucking took your skull. It wasn't any, you know. It was the men in black. <laughs> oh. But even this revelation or theory that it was just a deformed horse did little to dampen the bouncy of the Bunyip ballad across the country. At the beginning of March of 1847, Bunyip banter hit the streets of Melbourne when a newspaper reported... <coughs> Hunting in the Yarra on a Sunday afternoon. Hunting in the Yarra today means finding a shopping trolley or an Irish backpacker. Yeah. Uh, Basically, it's... Okay, it's this river that goes straight through the heart of Melbourne. And it's grey. It's disgusting. It's It's pretty much just poo and soiled condoms these days. Pretty much. Like, it's one of those, like, if you ever went into it... You would you just be like, oh well, you're gonna get some weird condition now. It kills people too. Like dickheads jump in, and it's yeah. cold and fast moving. Yeah, like it's just and it it's not pleasant. But yeah. anyway, it's there. Yeah. Um, the art centre is next to it. You know, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's right next to the train station. Yeah. Anyway, so hunting in the yard out on Sunday afternoon, a bunyip or an immense platypus. Okay, well, a platypus is like the size of a house cat. Yeah. Okay, so bear that in mind. Yeah. I find it weird that they're confusing a 15-foot possible saltwater crocodile with a house cat. But anyway, a bunyip or an immense platypus was discovered sunning himself on the placid bosom of the Yarra. The placid bosom of the Yarra. Fuck Melbourneites are obsessed with their shitty city, aren't they? <laughs> you don't get riding like that anymore, oh, do you? Jesus placid Christ. Placid bosom. Oh, the placid bosom of Melbourne. Fuck off. Oh. You and your overpriced shitty coffee and fucking milk crate cafes. Fuck off. It's a grey, <laughs> rainy city and it's shit. <laughs> I'm just trying to like, hey, you'd be like, oh my God. Like, you know, and Joe Biden walks out onto the placid bosom of the White House. <laughs> You just you I you just need that more often, I think. The air is no longer bosom, it's more of a breast implant from Bali. That's got infected. Yeah. Yeah, it just sort of started to leak out of a yeah. hole. Yeah. Uh, so the bosom of the Yarra, just opposite the custom house, and immediately a crowd gathered together to look at the bunyip or possible house cat. <laughs> And a boat, having then been procured, three men started off to secure the stranger. As one does. 
Every exertion was fruitless, for he disappeared when the boat was about a yard from him and has not been seen since. <sighs> Exciting day in Melbourne. It was, yeah. Yeah. A bunch of drunk dudes tried to catch a fucking platypus. He <laughs> some fucking cat. What the fuck? Just remember, rum used to be our currency. <laughs> that is true, it was yeah. Probably, probably factored into this. Oh my thing. God, there were some wealthy people on the bank that day. <laughs> there were. Especially if you're describing the Yarra as a bosom. <laughs> a placid bosom. A like. placid bosom of <gasps> wretched condoms and junky needles and shopping trolleys, cash registers and dead backpackers. I've had my bosom described in many a way over the years. It's never been described as placid. I would call it angry and flailing. <laughs> like a like a Cassandra Peterson kind of Vishnu. <laughs> Kalima! <laughs> oh my God, that is the best description yet. Yeah, placid. I don't oh, oh, yeah. Placid. Oh, it's like what you say to a girl who's got like a really bitty, like tiny, itty bitty titty committee. And you're like, oh, they're very placid. You know, when you've got nothing else to say. <laughs> well, you're a bad gangster rapper. They're placid and I'm flaccid. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's misogyny in rap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. In 1852, William Buckley released his autobiography of the last 30 years he had spent living with Indigenous tribes of Australia. Mm. In this book, he claims that in Lake Mudawari, as well as in most of the others inland, is a very extraordinary amphibious animal which the natives call Panyip. Buckley claims to have seen the creatures several times, although, quote, I could never see any part except the back, which appeared to be covered with feathers of a dusky grey colour. It seemed to be about the size of a full-grown calf. I could never learn from any of the natives that had ever seen the head or tail. Uh, you're a bit of a shit hunter then. You really I are. Just, I just always saw something in the distance. And later <laughs> on, there's clearly a bunyip. Aren't I special? <sighs> He would also repeat a tale that the bunyip had killed an indigenous woman and curiously that the bunyip possessed supernatural powers to always make its face look like its back. When we're saying it killed an indigenous woman, we're not mistaking it for just a police officer, are we? <laughs> yeah, was, 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 that, was that indigenous woman just walking home in yeah. a hoodie at night? Yeah. It locked her in an unair-conditioned paddy wagon and yeah. didn't give her water for three days. Oh, yeah, that hasn't been ruled out. Uh, in 1852 was also the first year that a bunyip was reported on the island of Tasmania ah. by a European settler. The man was shooting ducks. Fucking course he was. When he saw an unknown large animal with glossy hair, can you imagine going back to like being in that time where you were on a whole different continent, it's the opposite side of the world, and you are the first human being to be able to see a beautiful new creature for the first time. Like, can you imagine being the first human being to like see like a mountain like gorilla yeah, yeah. come out from behind the bush? Like, just the awe that you would have for the breathtaking strength and the beauty and the nobility of the of the animal. Yeah. It'd be breathtaking. Yeah. 
So in settler style, he shot it repeatedly. Of course he did. <laughs> Which takes a long time with a musket. Bam. Bam. The wounded animal retreated into the water. Of course. Just rolled away. Shit cards. In 1857, a newspaper reported on a Mr. Edwin Stoglier. And his drawings of bunyips. Okay. That's right, bunyips. Well, the Europeans haven't shot them all. (laughs) Edwin claimed to have seen six of the creatures over six encounters. Edwin described the bunyip as looking... (laughs) I should make you oh God, draw no. this, this one again. Is this going to get sexual? <laughs> Six encounters. It's looking like a large freshwater seal. Do you want to look at your picture that you drew last time? Okay, See if it's yep. the same? Okay. As yep. a large freshwater seal with two fins on its shoulders, a long swan-like neck, a dog's head, and a pouch hanging under its jaw like a pelican. <laughs> He claimed the bunyip is covered in hair like a platypus and is a glossy black colour. Okay. Just that. You might want to tweak your drawing. Might want to tweak my drawing. Might want to tweak your drawing. The smallest was five feet long, but the largest exceeded 15 feet in length. On the largest of these creatures, its head was the same size of a bull. And sat three feet out of the water as the creatures moved through the water at about seven knots. I'm not a boat guy. Is that fast? That's, that's moving along. What goes at seven knots? Uh, well, four knots is harbour speed. So that's when you're, you're puttering along so you basically don't get an ac- have an accident. Okay. So seven knots is almost double that. Um, okay, so that's, an irresponsible that's, boat that's, owner. That's dolphin cruising speed. Okay, yeah. that's pretty good. Well, that's, that's just what it was chilling at. Fair enough. Chilling at seven knots. Edwin claimed to have got within 30 feet of one of the creatures and took a shot at it. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Why don't the bunyips come out and visit us more? I know. I know. It's. I just can't put it together. Oh, my Lord. So he took a shot at it, but did not succeed in capturing. Well, I tried shooting it. I shot <laughs> at it. I don't know what else you want me to do. I tried the same uh, techniques I used to woo my wife. <laughs> shot it. I put a shot above her head and she knew. She jolly well just got in the cage. <laughs> Come here, girlie. <laughs> Bring her inheritance over here. <laughs> he says he could have got closer than 30 feet. Okay, he wants that known. He totally could have. Yep. Totally could have if he wanted to. But, you know, I mean, what with his gun only having one barrel and, um, you know, in his boot being of a frail description. And, I mean, after hearing all the indigenous tales of the Bunyip's fury and power, I mean, he decided simply not to attempt the creature any further at that moment. But he totally could if he wanted to. (laughs) It's very clear, okay? Yes. If I wanted to. I was not in the mood for science. That day, I'd already shot my science load. (laughs) (laughs) For science! Oh, yeah. Nut for knowledge. (laughs) (laughs) Afterwards, Edwin says that he drew a picture of the bunyip and that he showed it to a nearby indigenous tribe (laughs) who said, yes, 
it definitely was the Bunyip's brother. <laughs> really? Yes. <laughs> that was their actual, that was the actual word that they used, the Bunyip's brother. They must have fucking had a good time with that. <laughs> like, okay, these people, if they're not stealing our land and killing us, they're coming up to us with drawings of a thing. The fuck is this? That's oh, Bunyip's brother, Pete. <laughs> you were just some like shit crayon things. I'm like, I don't even know what the fuck that is. If you brought that home from school, yeah. I wouldn't even put that shit on the fridge. No. I would just be like, oh, you know what? We should probably start spending his college money because he ain't fucking going to college. <laughs> oh my God. You know, it's the little things. You've got to try and enjoy yourself. Yeah. Where you can. As she pulls another bourbon. Oh, Lord. I'm gonna have to drive you home tonight. Aren't <laughs> no. Oh my god! I'm just having a having a tipple. In 1862, a naturalist named Charles Gould. Now, naturalist back then meant scientist, didn't it? Not, not, just, not just someone walking around naked. Well, I'm not convinced, though. No, naturalist means you once read a book. Oh, okay. And then walked around, dude, <laughs> drawing pictures. Uh, Charles Gould doesn't he have a bird named after him? I don't fucking know. It's, it's like the there's a Gould finch or something. Maybe I'm not an ornithologist. Yeah. He penned of seeing the only s- birds I care about go to nightclubs <laughs> with their passive bosoms. Oh, their fucking passive bosoms. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want me to liven up your bosom? <laughs> Get a bosom riot up in here. <laughs> oh, yuck. Oh, Lord. So he penned of seeing several, in his words, odd animals in groups of two or three in the Great Lake of Central Tasmania. Quote, their bulldog-like heads and backs showed above the surface as they splashed about, tossing water seven or eight feet into the air. Right. That was so shagging season. <laughs> I have never, like, just, you know, joyfully splashed, you know, like, water seven or feet into, like, the air and a man, unless it was getting down to business time. This is the only time you, like, gayfully splash water about. <laughs> I didn't I didn't realise that was involved in any kind of courtship. Oh, my God. <laughs> Splashing water about. What are you, a fucking bird? <laughs> I mean, you don't. <laughs> anyway. Um, no, come on. Well, you like- did tell me you only bathe once a week. <laughs> It's a pandemic. Where am I going? What am I doing? Fair enough. Shut up. I'm researching these motherfuckers, all right? I don't have time to bathe. If I ever see you down the beach making a ruckus, though, <laughs> I know what's going on. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Her bosom's gone from passive to riot. Woo! <laughs> oh, Lord. So he saw them splashing about. So this dirty perv standing there washing them, you know, watching them have a bit of a, you know, sexy frolic down at the beach. Yeah. <sighs> reported mainstream sightings would fade for some time because decent people looked away <laughs> when bunyips were getting their sexy on. <sighs> Until a, a, a flurry of several reports in the 30s of a, quote, large and fearsome bunyip attempting to tip over boats in the Great Lake. We're getting in the way of the sex. So, how did 1930s Australia respond oh, to this crisis? Oh, God. 
What, what would you do? You're in 1930s Australia. What do you do? Angry creature upsetting the bosoms. What 1930s Australia, Tasmania? Uh-huh. Oh, you've got unexploded ordnance from the uh, campaign to keep the Russians away. Mm. Uh, I'd imagine you're throwing dynamite in the fucking water. Oh, you're so uncivilised. No, you write a poem about it. Fucking Tasmania. <laughs> so you let me clear my throat? Okay. <laughs> Artistic. <laughs> but they never go to Lake St. Clair. There's a monster in there. <laughs> they never dare. There's a monster deep in St. Clair. Fucking hell. They rhyme St. Clair with St. Clair. Yeah. Woo! Pardon me, will I just give that the, uh, the appreciation that poetry deserves? Such a bitch. <laughs> uh, a poster was released offering a reward for proof of a bunyip. The flyer reads, <clears throat> Monster! Sea serpents and bunyips. Money will be paid for the first film or negative showing clearly the bunyip reported to have been seen in the vicinity of Australia's deepest lake, Lake St. Clair. Then the poem. <laughs> then below the poem, lots of pound notes have been drawn. Yeah. Under that, reward. <clears throat> they, weren't, they weren't really big on graphic design in 1930. <laughs> BJ Cameron, agent, DeLorean, offers sufficient of this world-renowned Burgess paint to cover a motor garage or hangar to the person who delivers to the curator of the Launcester Museum the first specimen of the bunyip. So the reward was paint. Uh, enough paint to cover a motor garage or hangar. <laughs> what a shit prize. Motor garage or hang on. No, no, you got cash for a photo. Oh. If you dragged in a body, you got paint. That's a that's an amazing reward. Hey? You hey? would not solve a single fucking crime <laughs> if the rewards were paint. What if, what if you didn't have a motor garage <laughs> or a hangar? That's a very well, one day, one day, I will grow up to buy a motor garage of my own and then I shall paint it. Avocado. Sunrise. <laughs> oh, Lord. What, you don't think that's awesome? <laughs> That's a pretty fucking terrible prize. Okay. Meanwhile, in Burrawong, New South Wales, railroad workers would flee from construction after hearing mysterious noises coming from the swamp. That's Barry. <laughs> For years, locals reported hearing an ear-splitting bull-like roar, reportedly loud enough to knock bottles off the local pub's shelves, wow. according to the former publican. But the bellowing stopped in 1974 when the swamps were dammed. Oh. The most recent chilling story occurred on the 2nd of January, 1987. That's not long ago. Mm -hmm. I was alive. I know. Bill Johnston and Stella Donahue were driving through Tasmania. Their car began to experience mechanical difficulties, so the couple decided to stop for the night and set up camp by the shoreline of Lake Dulverton. The two had a makeshift dinner and settled down for the evening. 
In the early hours, Stella was woken by a loud noise. Unsure, Stella assumed it would be some kind of large bird. Stella got up and walked away from the river towards the nearby, nearby toilet block to have a pee. On the way back, her eyes having adjusted to the darkness somewhat, Stella's eyes were drawn to the water, where she saw something tall and bulky in the water about 50 metres away. Stella wasn't sure what she was looking at. She didn't remember an object in the water earlier in the day. And then the shape started to move. Oh, dear. By this time, Bill, down at the shoreline, had also woken up. Bill shone his torch in the direction of the water and it illuminated a large hairy body with huge broad shoulders. It was stumbling towards them. The two campers run for their car, deserting their belongings. At first, the car wouldn't start, then mercifully, it roared to life and the two hightailed it out of there. The couple fled to nearby residents, who, upon hearing their tale, suggested it's not a bunyip, it's probably just a ghost. <laughs> As a man had been murdered and dumped in the lake some years ago. Oh, how reassuring. <laughs> No, it's probably the homicidal you know, body that was murdered by the homicidal maniac. Never found. But the couple insisted what they saw was an alive creature and not a spirit. This was the first time a bunyip had ever been reported in this lake. But this lake was a skip and a jump away from Lake Tiberius, which during the 1800s was a bona fide bunyip playing field and hotspot. Now, whilst reported bunyip sightings have become rare these days, the bunyip still lives very much in our imaginations. In 2016, the bunyip was the lead monster in the low-budget Aussie flick Red Billabong. <laughs> Which I went and saw the trailer. Because I'm like, oh, how have I not watched this uh, movie? And I went and watched the trailer. Yeah. It's so bad. Okay, in Australia, one of our worst TV, like, soapies is Home and Away. Yeah. It, you know, day to, nighttime, 7 p.m. drama. Um, a couple of the, like, fired actors from Home and Away have decided to pull their Home and Away money to make, like, a low-budget movie and they were like oh we'll make a horror movie because they're they're so hot with the kids right now yeah except they obviously also wanted to make it a vehicle for their acting talent because mm. i went on to like read the reviews because this is a two-hour movie jesus okay and because it's billed as like a psychological horror comedy thriller yeah yeah okay Apparently, the first one hour and 45 minutes is the two brothers trying to resolve their unresolved feelings because they've become separated while some chick in a bikini tries to shag everyone. There you go. Um, And then in the – and then, oh, no, some guy who was like the cheap Hugo Weaving just sort of stands around with black – like combed back hair just stands around like mm, looking menacing at the bush <laughs> and then like the last like 15 minutes a really shit cgi creature like shows up and everyone's like this is shit 
Okay. Except for the people who clearly worked on the film, who then came in and went, oh, no, this is great, 9 out of 10. <laughs> and then the best thing is because someone, because there's suddenly all these people going, oh, no, it's great, 9 out of 10, 9 out of 10. And then someone popped up and went, you know, when you put these shit comments up, we can see where you're from and we can see that you're from Australia. <laughs> Stop trying to put this bullshit up. This movie is shit. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> so 26 Bunyip uh, read Billabong, Mitch reviews. Yep. But the Bunyip was also in season six of My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. No shit. Yes. But it, it also has like a unicorn sort of spike, so I'm not sure. Oh, that's against, that's against canon. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's, you know, 100% accurate. And I put this little, this just for you because you're a nerd. In 2019, the Bunyip, I don't know if you noticed this, is amongst the titans that Monarch monitors in Godzilla, King of the Monsters. No shit. You're going to have to go back and watch King of the Monsters now, aren't you? Fucking hell, the Bunyip. Yeah, the Bunyip. Kicking ass. It's also the name of the newspaper in the town of Gawla. Yeah, yeah. Started by the Gawla Humbug Society. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah there is i think there is also i looked up there is also like a bunyip festival yeah. which you know again like the it's you can oh the, you know there's an art contest and there's a scone making competition and yeah it's all very nice yeah and it's very pleasant <laughs> um yeah so that's the that's the story of the bouncy bunyip we haven't seen one for a while no but there is a chance that everyone in the 1800s shot them all to death. Yeah. Or if we maybe got rid of all the fucking cotton farmers and re-released a bit of water back into the system, <sighs> they might return. Well, that's the other thing. If they live in the waterways, like, I don't know if you know anything about Australia, but our rivers and lakes have literally been drained dry yeah. for profit. Yeah. By fuckheads. <sighs> and whole river systems and ecosystems have died. Uh, yeah, I, I like to think they're all just yeah. They're probably just all asleep in their little caves, like bears, waiting for a little trickle of water. That'd be nice. Oh, and on that day, you know what I'm going to say? What? How good's the rain? It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, a good drunken callback. <laughs> how good is that? Well done. Oh my god! But at the end of the day, remember, nobody likes it dry. So, real mothman, <laughs> eat the carpet. I want to look at that bunyip dick. See if it's got the head of a fucking bulldog. And it's got spiky things <laughs> out the side and possibly wings. <laughs> I just, I still love the idea of the Aboriginal tribes sitting there in between genocides and dispossession and some guy just comes up, what's this? It's a fucking Bunyip's cousin. Fuck off. Yeah, sure. Totally, mate. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Anything. Just fuck off and leave us alone for five <laughs> minutes. Sure, it's a Bunyip's cousin. <sighs> At least he didn't start trying to tell us about your placid bosom again. <laughs> I'm pressing stop. Okay, it's probably best. <laughs>